Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, all Xenoblade Chronicles 3 means is another unplayed game on our shelves. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including rumors of a new Xenoblade Chronicles game. And then on Thursday, we start a definitive ranking of all the outfits in Super Mario Odyssey. But Mark, in the meantime, how's it going? It's going pretty good, I have to admit, Patrick. This is probably the strangest, but maybe most exciting uh, recording of this episode we've ever done i'm in the middle of a move right now so uh i went over to my empty new place because there were a couple of things i had to do i was ready to record and then we realized oh no it is so echoey and so it sounds like mark is recording from a cave (laughs) so we determined that it sounds okay if i record outside so i am sitting outside on like in the backyard and I, th- I was worried maybe it was too early for me to become, like, the person who's shouting about Nintendo from their backyard in the neighborhood, but it was right. inevitable. It was going to happen anyways. Might That's as well right. just rip that You got to embrace off. it. You got to embrace it. Your neighbors are going to find out that you're <laughs> shouting about Nintendo all the time. It may as well happen on day one. Day, like, negative four. You're not yeah, even moved in yet. Not even moved in yet. But this feels right. <laughs> this feels good. This is what our listeners deserve. Better sound quality. Yes. <laughs> That's good. I'm, I'm glad we prioritize uh, our listeners over your neighbors. Um, <laughs> here's another thing that you can prioritize over your neighbors. My copy of Sonic Forces. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And give us a mailing address, like Mark's new place, um, and we can mail it there, and I give you the postage, basically, to send it back. It costs you nothing. You play Sonic Forces for as long as you want. You may have to play Untitled Goose Game because, surprise, there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there instead of Sonic Forces. Either way, you play it for as long as you want, uh, if at all, and then send it back. It is the perfect borrowing program. The other thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we check the US, Apple, the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, but we love it wherever you rate us. It helps people find the show. It uh, makes Patrick and I feel a little bit better about ourselves and really important. That's that's I know I was going to say that's probably the biggest public service um, you can do. Thank you to Walmall now for the five star review. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, Also, a fun thing to shout out here is that Mark and I are on uh, the podcast. You've got Hanks with a previous guest on this show, Rachel Chapman. She uh, joined us to talk about um, the uh, Detective Pikachu movie. She joined us to talk about uh, dancing uh, games. music. Yeah, dancing games. Um, and uh, we went on her show to talk about Colin Hanks movies. And we watched uh, 2005's King Kong, directed by Peter Jackson, which is a three-hour movie. <laughs> um, but it was fun. So uh, check that out. It comes out sometime this week. Um, and then we've got uh, an, an email here 
um, from Martin that I would like to read at least part of. Uh, Martin uh, writes, hoping for a definitive ranking. Hey, guys, Martin says, um, I don't know if you'd be at all interested, uh, but I'd love for one of your Thursday specials if you could produce a definitive ranking of all the classic 80s Game & Watches. Uh, in Game & Watches' heyday, I was lucky enough to get uh, lucky enough to have fire, and my little sister had the fantastic fantastic octopus with stunning widescreen aspect ratio in those days the only models i was aware of were the ones that i saw in the store but my best friend's family was from japan and his father would bring back exciting electronics from his business trips i still remember my disbelief at seeing donkey kong it had two screens yes i know it's hard to believe but it really had two screens it would be amazing if you could bring home the nostalgia and produce the definitive ranking of the series it doesn't have to be which is best, perhaps just which is most desirable. Either way, it would be fun to hear you talk through them. Thanks, Thank you both for the terrific podcast, and thank you to your partners for sharing you with the world. Um, yes, thank you to our partners for allowing this to happen. <laughs> um, Martin, this gave us a little bit of an idea, because uh, Mark, how well would you say uh, you know the Game & Watch series? Not really at all. Like, I never owned one, um, mostly just by reputation in the modern day. Uh, which means that we have got to dig deep into this one. We are declaring October the month of Game & Watch. We are going to uh, devote a whole month of Thursday episodes to Game & Watch content, uh, either culminating in a ranking or we're not totally sure yet. Um, when par Part of what we're doing here is uh, putting out the call if anyone has uh, fun ideas or concepts that you want us to explore in Game & Watch, hit us up at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. Gmail uh, otherwise, we're going to be, you know, uh, going through the collections of, of the games that are available on the 3DS eShop uh, and uh, kind of talking through the history and all, all sorts of good stuff. But if anyone has something in, uh, specific that they want to hear, um, email us uh, and we will uh, incorporate it into the month. Yeah, Martin, thank you so much for giving us this idea. We were talking about it, ideas for a single Thursday episode, and we realized that really a topic like this deserves an entire month for us to dig into. And yeah. um, if uh, anybody, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 there's no good way to put this. We're always looking for topic episodes. So uh, if there's ever anything you want us to gab about, like, uh, let us know. We, uh, we love listener suggestions. Yeah, we look. This is as much, this is a lie, but this is as much your show as it is ours. So <laughs> anything, uh, <laughs> any suggestions <laughs> are welcome. It's a lie, but I'm running with it. Um, all right, uh, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Uh, so I continue to play Skyward Sword. I just finished the uh, Earth Temple. Um, which is uh, the one that takes place around the volcano. So it's like earth and fire at the same time. Um, it's su super fun. I, I was like relieved and excited to get to the end of that level and not fight a, a giant Dodongo boss, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like it's, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit um, just impressed by, and I mentioned this a little bit last week that like there aren't Gorons here. There are like different like mole uh, creatures. Um, and I'm just impressed by the specificity of Skyward Sword that it is. Uh, it's it's obviously very Zelda, but it's also very much its own thing. Yeah, it's interesting for as much like um, uh, 
how I, I don't know like crap basically that like this game gets um i think some of the and the virtues like the cool things that it did like it is very stuck in the zelda formula but at the same time i feel like it is very different from most other zelda games yeah yeah i, well, I 100% agree um that like the world it is crafting yeah yes do you go to a forest and then uh, a volcano in that order like are those the first two <laughs> yes tr true nailed it but um it is different enough and unique enough that uh, it doesn't feel like um I i'm i'm about to embark on a uh a, at least a partial replay of twilight princess um a game that i love uh but which i know feels very much like a regular zelda game right like it, it has the hallmarks of the 3d zeldas and even if that really just means that Nocarina, i don't know why that, that that feels so like those pillars seem so strong i guess majora's mask is also in there um but yeah this uh i'm 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 just it, this it feels very refreshing to be playing skyward sword patrick i'm glad that you texted me uh because nintendo announced it after we've done we did our news episode for the week which they seems to be the pattern do. for this now yes but there was a uh tetris 99 maximus cup this past weekend that actually ended last night at midnight Pacific time. And the theme this time was Skyward Sword. So with as with all these other Maximus Cups, you get you play um Tetris rounds. The better you do, the more points you get. If you if you get a total of a hundred points during the Maximus Cup, you get the theme. It was Skyward Sword themed at this time. Patrick, what did you think of this theme? I like this theme. Uh it it, it really worked for me. Um the music got like uh, appropriately more intense um, as as you went along. I feel like sometimes the music is a little bit of a miss, um, but it, it all felt right for me on on this one. Um, and also, as I am playing Skyward Sword right now, it just sort of like fed into what I liked about what I was playing anyway. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I I I I really like it. What what did you think of it, Mark? I appreciated that. Um, like, I don't know, this time maybe I was paying more attention to the details, or maybe it's because I'm just more familiar with, like, Zelda in general, but I appreciated that, like, each time you dropped something or, like, different, uh, blocks had different, like, sound effects that were from, like, yeah. Zelda, like, Link, like, uh, going, like, hi like, that kind of stuff. Um, and I thought that was really fun. The first part of the music, like, for the first, uh, until 50 people, or until there's only 50 yeah. players left. That one didn't really work that well for me. Like, I like my t my favorite Tetris 99 theme is still Splatoon 2. Like, I like that really, oh, yeah. you know, like, um, uh, fast-paced, kind of, like, energetic music. And it was, this one was a little bit too, like, pretty for me. But it's, then It's like the adventurous. It's like, bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah, yeah. But once, it, but once you get down to 50 players, which I saw... A number of times, <laughs> then I uh, I thought I thought that was better. I'm gonna be honest, Patrick. I can't tell you what the like top ten music sounded like, but I'm sure it was nice. Yeah. So wh when you get into the the fifty, it's like the boss battle music, right? It's right because it's uh, the same music that I uh, remember hearing fighting Girahim for like way too long. <laughs> um, and but yeah, in the the top ten, I know I've I've heard it a couple times, but I also can't think of. What it is it may be music that I have not encountered in the game yet. Mm, like that mm. that that is possible that I have not encountered in, in Skyward Sword. I mean, it doesn't uh the, the I love that Splatoon 2 theme, 
Um, but it man, it stresses me out to hear that the t- final uh, it is ten very music stressful for for longer than like the thirty seconds that it normally triggers. Yeah, uh, a a great theme, uh, a great game. It got Sarah and I both totally back on Tetris, um, which is a disaster because we'll lose, you know, just hours to it. Tetris Tetris 99, this time when I was playing it, for whatever reason, it reminded me a lot of, um, there were a number of rounds this time where I was like the one that everybody was dogpiling on. And you're like, why me? What like how did how how did this happen? Why you just have that I, face, Mark? I know exactly. It totally reminded me of like when you're playing um like tag or something in elementary school or like hide and seek, and it's like, well, it's fun when you're with the group and you, but you know and right. like uh you're all torturing another person, but when you're the person being tortured, it's not as fun. When you feel that you are being uh, targeted like that, like you're being dogpiled, switch your targeting to attackers. Um, because it will send to everyone who is targeted. Oh, okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, I have also, Mark, looked last week, one of the biggest game drops of the year, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Picross S Genesis and Master System Edition came out. This is a full-fledged, like, amazing Jupiter-developed Picross game uh, that features all pixel art from Genesis and Master System games. Uh, it rules. It is a great uh, Picross game. It's got regular Picross, <coughs> regular Picross, color Picross, um, clip Picross, and mega Picross are all in there. Um, and, you know, every now and then, uh, I am frequently revealing these uh, sprites to characters I have never encountered before. <laughs> I've never played Fantasy Star. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, Mark, I cannot, I cannot describe to you the joy that I feel when I finish a puzzle and it's the face of a character from Eternal Champions. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's such a specific sliver of like the Sega Genesis experience that I happen to be around for. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it it's great. I can't wait for other companies, Nintendo, 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 to do one of these. Um, because like, it if I can if I can pick away at a Picross puzzle, and at the end I've I've revealed like uh geno from um the super mario rpg or uh luigi or whoever i don't know why geno was the first my first pick i i don't i don't know um i just it it seems like a no-brainer to me i can't wait for that to happen i know it seems crazy to me that it hasn't happened yet but i'm hoping that this game will be successful enough that nintendo will get the hint yeah so if you if you are even remotely interested in well it's as good as any of the other pick cross games so like it's a fun place to start because you'll get like more, you know, fun pixely designs. Um, but if you have any nostalgia for any Genesis or Master System stuff, like I absolutely re- recommend. It is a great little game, and it's uh, it's cheap. It's like ten bucks. So nice. Um, all right, Mark. That's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So this week, I don't really have anything specific that I want to shout out. Uh, yeah, Mark, I have to hard agree with you on that. Kind of a slow, and you, you called this, I think, last week, right? That uh, August going to be kind of a dry month for game releases. I feel like this would have been the perfect opportunity for like um, Garage Door Simulator or one of those fun 
you know, like hyper specific simulations that um, I like to get it excited about. But even that, there's none of those being released this week. But since there's no new games to talk about, how about some new free content updates in already released games? Cool. So Nintendo released a new update for Mario Golf Super Rush that includes a new mode, Ranked Matches, a new character, Toadette, a new course with New Donk City, and then in something about improved motion controls. Um, hmm. I tried to find a, like, I feel like normally when Nintendo drops one of these updates, there's like a gameplay trailer or something like that that kind of delineates the changes. But as far as I can tell, I looked on their YouTube channel. I didn't see anything that was, there was like a Mario Rush Accolades trailer that came out last week, but nothing I saw that was like, and here's the new update and what's in it. So I don't oh, know. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, wonder, I, I had not, like, read anything that said that the motion controls were, like, bad or anything, but I also hadn't really heard anyone uh, shouting them out specifically. I feel like there's a pretty big gulf between, like, <laughs> G-U-L-F, um, <laughs> between, between uh, like, a golf game that you play with motion controls and just, like, a, a regular, um, like, button and thumbstick golf game, right? Like, they have different goals. Yeah, I mean, but I would have said that about Skyward Sword, you know, like six months ago That's as true. well. So well, and and I still think that you would have been mostly right. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're right though. Like, um, uh, you know, I listened to a video game music podcast called the Super Mercado Brothers, and they actually did an episode this um, past week about golf games. And in it, they were talking about a point that I had never, I guess, like you, I intuitively considered, but like never really gave a lot of thought to, which is that most golf games are nothing like the game of golf. And I think this is to right. your point, Patrick, that like motion controls, like that actually can kind of simulate how you actually play golf versus um, most golf games where it's a combination of like button inputs and selecting things almost on like yes. a grid, which is not at all like playing golf. Right, yeah. And, and like it, that's in a way that like um, tennis doesn't fit that same bill. Like motion control tennis and button control tennis are actually pretty similar, right? Like, you're still working on, like, timing and, like, are you swinging from this side or from this side? Um, and, uh, but yeah, but golf, for whatever reason, we've landed on, like, this set of, like, actions and gauges and stuff that you have to time perfectly in order to uh, swing and, like, hit the ball, which, you're right, has, like, no actual relation to the game of golf. Yeah, so to build like a motion control version and like a button control version and have them be competitive against each other, um, it's really like building two different games, essentially. Yeah, it's like how uh, watermelon flavor in candy and really all the fruit flavors in candy <laughs> don't taste anything like the fruits. But we all just accept it that this is what yeah. watermelon like candy tastes like for sure. Yeah. Um, also, Overcooked is five, which is really hard for me to wow. believe. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, to celebrate, yesterday, Team 17 and Ghost Town Games released an update for Overcooked All-You-Can-Eat. This was the, um, like, game that came out a few months ago where they combined uh, the two games into one. So, you have all the levels, and there's also, like, a new, a new assist mode and stuff like that. The patch, which um, was out yesterday, adds five new levels, a new Tabby Cat Chef, a recipe to make a cup of tea, and an in-game uh -huh. switcheroo mechanic where living playing cards stalk the levels transporting players across the kitchen. Oh my god, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> As if Overcooked wasn't stressful enough. Um, that's very cool. Where does, that, where, where does that content update leave people like me 
who own the Overcooked and Overcooked 2 as like two separate packages. I it is not for you. It is not for oh. um or as as far as I can tell it's exclusive to the uh all you can eat bundle. Uh yeah, I mean I I guess that makes sense. Got to drive uh as many people over to that bundle as as possible. Overcooked, man, what a great game. Uh I I love that they were able to be successful with with a second game and have uh, been supporting this like combo of the two games. Um it's 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 re- really just remarkable. Um, I feel like they could put out new overcooked levels. Like, I wonder if this is the start of them like making it a platform. Oh, you know? interesting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I wonder what the player base is for it. It must be enough that they're continuing to support it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's all of those all of those like small indie party games like have such long legs, right? Like, um, as as you said, overcooked is is five years old at this point, but like the game can get around by word of mouth because it's so easy to just like pick up and play at a friend's house. Um, and like, it's really a, the more the merrier situation. Um, the game just gets more chaotic and more fun. The more people you throw into it. I wonder if it's ever been like speed run at GDQ. I should look up to see if there's a speed running community. Yeah. Let's, let's although, look that up. Although I guess you can't really like finish levels faster, right? It's oh yeah. Just, that's a good point. You would just be able to complete more dishes or something. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yep. Nintendo is also holding a multiplayer mayhem sale, which uh some size with some sizable discounts on multiplayer games until August eleventh, which is tomorrow. So if any of these are interesting, can't sit on your hands for this one. Um thirty um, percent yeah. off big Nintendo franchises like Splatoon 2, Hyrule Warriors, Definitive Edition, Super Mario Party, Fire Emblem Warriors, um, plus the season pass bundle. So that one's still fifty five ninety eight, and then um, Mario Tennis Aces are all on sale right now. Uh, and then the, there are a bunch of other, uh, you know, not Nintendo first party, or I guess some of these actually are Nintendo first party, but aren't like the big main games. Fifty uh, percent off Catherine Full Body, thirty percent off Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which I picked up uh, and I'm excited to uh, get into finally. Thirty percent off Stretchers and thirty percent off Good Job. Those are both Nintendo games, but smaller ones or Nintendo published at any rate. Um, 50% off Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, 75% off Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. So if you're interested in, you know, brushing up on the original game before the sequel comes out in 20, whenever, 2022, 2023, who knows? Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, big games on, um, like kind of decent size sale. Yeah. Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, I feel like goes on sale fairly often. But um, every time it goes on sale, I think we say the same thing. If you are in the slightest bit interested, it is so worth picking up. And this is a good deal for it. Uh, 75% off. Like, I mean, come on. It's a $15 game. That's that's great. Um, All right, uh, Mark, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, I am starting the video. Can you introduce our topic? Yes. um, This suggestion comes from Alana and... Their suggestion is create a concept for a Star Wars or Lord of the Rings Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber adaptation. 
Oh boy. So we're 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 stuck with Andrew Lloyd Webber as as our uh composer here. Oh, this is right at home for me. I have no complaints. Uh okay, so which uh which would you like to for, well, first of all, are, are we going to pitch one out together? Yes. Oh okay. Well, I so I I picked this suggestion. And so yeah. I would be lying if I said that I didn't already come into this with some ideas wow. formed. So I don't wow. So, um, we can see how this goes, but let me tell you my rough idea Mm -hmm. is, um, I think that you could make a really effective Star Wars Andrew Lloyd Webber musical in the vein of Phantom of the Opera starring, featuring Kylo Ren in kind of like the Phantom role. Okay. Sure. And, um... And Ray in the uh, Christine yes. role? Yes, okay. exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then BB-8 maybe is Ra- Raul. We would have to figure that out. Because I want, like, because I want, mm. um, you know, like, uh, Finn and Poe to have better roles than Raul. And so BB-8 right, might be, like, right. enough, you know, like, uh, personality to carry a feel- uh, all-I-ask-of-you type number. <laughs> I feel like BB-8's got to be the chandelier, uh, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> But but the 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 thing with this is there really isn't a good analog for like Finn and Poe in Phantom of the Opera like there's not a and so um, yeah so and those characters definitely wouldn't get um justice done yeah no I mean and that's and that that is tough because like that that is the wrong that you would want to write right from uh, the the Star Wars um sequels um but it's also like you still want the most compelling part of the sequels, <laughs> you know, which is so like, even if it's like, okay, it's like, uh, it's like Jesus Christ superstar, but, uh, Ray is, uh, Christ and, uh, um, Kylo Ren is Judas. Um, but like, then you're still like leaving everyone else out. <laughs> right. Although I guess like really we're creating our own Star Wars musical. Right. So, so it could be based on like Phantom of the Opera or Jesus Christ superstar, but it doesn't mean that it has to, um i see follow it exactly so really we could we could add additional like story arcs for any of these characters okay well hold on because i've got a crazy idea okay we take uh we we take the template of cats right yes and we apply that to the uh tales of the moss eisley cantina uh yes oh my gosh of course now legends no longer canon uh and it's just all the individual weirdos in the bar uh, singing one song about their story, you know, their their story before getting to the bar. This and is like that. That's it. I, Patrick, you had me at the word. Uh, you had me at this. We based it on cats, and um, <laughs> and I was like, will he be able to top that in my heart? And the answer is, of course, yes, because that is the best idea I've ever heard. And I am once again angry that we are not able to manifest this into the universe know, because it is I something know. that now I want so badly. Um. I, as as long as we still have a couple seconds left, I do think there would there could be a strong um, Lord of the Rings musical uh, just based around uh, Frodo, Sam, and Gollum and their experience. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber would write the gnarliest, funkiest possible songs <laughs> for Gollum to sing. You know, the ones where it's like uh, virtuosic and hard to listen to at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. That would be so good. I would love to hear what Andrew Lloyd Webber would write for Gollum. Get Tim Rice back. I know they don't like each other oh, for whatever yes. reason, but who cares? Um, <laughs> yeah, for Lord of the Rings, I feel like that would be the perfect like uh, healing moment for both of them. 
yeah yep i i I agree with that um but man i don't i don't think anything really tops the uh tales from the moss eisley campaign (sighs) i'm frustrated i need to go for a walk after this i know i know we do i want (laughs) to hear that werewolf man song (laughs) oh it's such a good idea um and i guess and this uh wait uh who did who did cabaret? Because it's also a little bit cabaret too, right? Um, I do not remember the name of the people who wrote cabaret. Um, um look, that's that's the applause, so we don't have to look up who, who wrote cabaret <laughs> for a but, show that lives in my head, or these yeah. songs that live in my head like endlessly. Uh, I should I should find out who wrote cabaret. Yeah, well, and like, oh, I recognize the names of the guys who uh, wrote Les Mis, but like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> They're no Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. That's correct. All right, Mark, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. Let's get into the news. Patrick, sound yes. the rumor sirens. <laughs> uh, Imran Khan at Fanbyte is reporting that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is in the works and potentially could be revealed soon. Wow. So here are the, here are the details from the article. Yes. It'd be a sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Um, the ending of the trilogy takes place in the far-flung future with a few returning characters who have long outlived their human counterparts from both the first game and the second game. Mm-hmm. And then, according to fanbite sources, quote, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was set to be revealed earlier this year and may still be announced before the end of the calendar year, but has had a difficult time with pandemic development and optimizing the game for the Switch. The game is aiming for more character models on screen at once than any previous title, accounting for both playable characters and enemies. If all goes well, the game could be released as soon as the first half of next year, delayed from its original and now exceedingly unlikely winter 2021 target date. And then the normal caveat that like in development games change and anything could get right. canceled at the last minute. So, um, Okay, now that is interesting. Uh, I, I think it is... Uh, it, it's neat that um, Fanbyte notes that this would be the conclusion of a trilogy of of sorts. Um, saying that it takes place in the far flung future. That's also true of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles two to Xenoblade Chronicles one. Right, there's hundreds of years be- between those games. Um, so setting the next one another like set you know another like uh thousand years like isn't that big of a uh, stretch for that series. Like that's just what it does. Um, so. That would be cool. Uh, I always have a the best, maybe not even the best of intentions. I always have intentions to play these games. Uh, put about five or six hours in, and then realize I'd have to do that like a hundred more times, uh, and just uh, crap out really early. Uh, what what does this do for you, Mark? You know, I've, I I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, both Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, two, and then the Xenoblade Chronicles. What was it called? Like not remastered was it remastered or was it something i else? think it was definitive edition definitive edition I, I could be wrong um i they both sold really well like the xenoblade chronicles uh definitive edition like that remaster from last year sold over a million copies in its first like couple of months on the market and so it makes total sense that xenoblade chronicles 3 is on the way i am and i guess it'd make sense that it's coming out this that it would maybe originally at some point was going to come out this year because if the other Xenoblade game, the remaster came out last year. It perfect yeah. t- like timing makes sense. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles, for whatever reason, is just a franchise that yeah, like have j- had just passed me by. I 
am kind of more interested in the first game than the second game, just because the first game I remember having really positive, like people having really positive reactions yeah. to with like the music and everything. I probably listened, I mean, I'm way more familiar with the soundtrack for sure than I am with the game itself because I've never picked up the game. Um, But I am kind of hoping someday the Monolith Soft will create like a new franchise or a different franchise that I think maybe would be like an easier entry point um, into Monolith Soft RPGs yeah. for me, or at least a new yeah. entry point. Yeah, um, that 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 would be nice. They they do feel like a, a developer that I'd like to uh, have more experiences with, if not the, this exact experience with them. Um, uh, something else that I find really fun and sort of like encouraging here is, you know how in the lead up to E3. Um, we get all of these like rumors start to surface, right? Like people are talking about what they think they're going to see at E3. Um, and so we, we get a lot of like rumors about games that haven't been announced yet. Um, you know, like we heard a lot of rumors about a Donkey Kong game, right? Um, and then wasn't mentioned at E3. So it kind of just like deflated the collective balloon where we're like no longer uh, psyched about that rumor, even though it's no less possible now than it was before um e3 uh just having a new like rumor of a new game that's out there um whether or not it comes to fruition in like the next nintendo direct or if it's something that we got to wait like another e3 for or so- something like that um it's just a good reminder that like even when you think you know what's coming there's always more um the game industry uh you know <laughs> treads forward always that's such a good point yeah it is like um relentless in that way and also, what a great reminder about that Donkey Kong game that um, was like, didn't really hear very much about for whatever right. reason, burned really bright for a little bit. And now we've kind of gone back to forgetting about. So if it if and when it is ever revealed, that'll be a fun surprise. Remember how there's supposedly a Fire Emblem game that's basically done? <laughs> I mean, come on. Do you think it's possible that um, this uh, the Fire Emblem game that's supposed to be done is this um uh xenoblade chronicles game and somebody just got their wires crossed at some point Ooh, possibly i think it's also possible that the fire emblem game and the donkey kong game are the same game <laughs> that, it's, that it's a donkey kong tactics i think i that would be that that feels right to me in the same way that like um uh like Star Fox racers or whatever whatever it was called right. like Star um, Fox grand grand prix grand right? prix yeah, yeah 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 this is basically um it's not Star Fox and f-zero it's the other obvious combination, which is um, Donkey Kong and Fire Emblem. Okay, so which is the better uh, execution of, uh, of that combo? Is it Fire Emblem-style characters in a Donkey Kong Country-esque <laughs> 2D collect-a-thon side-scroller, or monkeys in a tactics game? I kind of want both, because I kind of want Donkey Kong in armor, in like um, medieval armor. <laughs> it's something I would, right I would pay $60 to see. Right. I would just pay $60 to see it. Yeah, I wouldn't even have to play it. Uh, Donkey Kong wearing armor, riding a Pegasus. Like, <laughs> yes, please. Just something I want. It's just, I'm a simple man. Okay, Patrick, sound the Super Mario animated movie update sirens. <laughs> okay, so we know basically nothing about this movie. But in yes. an episode of the Birdcast, which is a YouTube interview series, comedian and actor Sebastian Maniscalco said that he's, quote, in the movie Super Mario Brothers, an animated movie, and then added, quote, he's playing Spike, their boss. 
Spike is the character in question, and he is their boss. Uh, so is that referring to the Koopa's boss? Is that the Mario and other characters' boss? Why does Mario have a boss? What are we talking about here? <laughs> so there, there are two Spikes that immediately come to mind. There's Spike, like the enemy that first premiered in, I think, Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah, and then the, the little guy who like spits up the the ball and throws it at you. That's right. And then the other one, and this one, uh, the, I just saw circulating online. I didn't was not able. I would not be able to recall this. Is that Spike is apparently the name of the foreman from Wrecking Crew. So I I, I doubt that is expressed in game. So it must be on the side of an arcade cabinet somewhere. That like yeah. Um, and so maybe. I don't know, you know, like uh, Nintendo's doing like a Super Mario Odyssey type thing where, you know, with um, uh, Penelope, where, you know, they're just like, that's the character's name, right? No, it is. <laughs> what is her name? Her name um, is Pauline. Pauline. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so there. maybe they're doing like a Pauline thing, right? Where they're like using this more obscure part of Mario's origins and then incorporating it into the movie, which could be cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it is worth just pausing to say the character in Wrecking Crew is Mario. Like, that, right. that is who that is. So um, if, if we are able to pull in characters from the Wrecking Crew universe, um, it, is, it is still, uh, it's totally adjacent. It's totally in line. Uh, of course, uh, I demand justice for Stanley the Bugman from <laughs> Donkey Kong 3. Should clearly be in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait probably forever to find out if any of these characters are actually in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. It just keeps getting more and more mysterious. I feel like I have, uh, I still have no idea. Obviously, what this movie could possibly be. Right. Um. What What do you make of um? I I I I don't know Sebastian Maniscalco at all. Um. But like, I think there is something a little bit encouraging that like. And I guess if it's if it's just like the guy from Wrecking Crew or a Spike the Enemy, um, that those are both like pretty small parts. So like you know it, he could just be like whoever. But like I'm glad it's not like Pat Oswalt <laughs> or like Halle Berry, right? It's uh, like the last thing I want this the movie to be is like uh, that Robots DreamWorks movie where it's just right. like here are the celebrities. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like I hope they're it. I hope they're casting the people who are right for the movie and not the people who are right to sell the movie. I know. And I'm all, I have to admit, I am a little bit worried for uh, Sebastian that like, since he talked about this, that he's just, it's just going to get cut out of the movie. Nintendo's vindictive that way. And they're just going to yeah. be like, nope. There might not be a movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Patrick. Sound the practical use of platinum point sirens. From now until September 7th, North American My Nintendo account holders can spend 10 Platinum Points to enter into the ultimate Monster Hunter Amiibo sweepstakes. Number two. Uh, what is number one? Why didn't we talk about it? When did it happen? Well, who knows? We, <laughs> who knows? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Look, we're, we're talking about this one now. <laughs> this set includes every Amiibo from Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2 including the gold variants for all Amiibo and silver variants for all Monster Hunter Rise Amiibo, which are those, like, special? I didn't even know those existed. 
I didn't know they existed either, but they're all part of every single amiibo that they printed for either of these two games uh, is in this set. It's 15 amiibo total, which the going rate for amiibo right now is like 20 bucks. So like, I don't know, all of these together, it's like $300 worth of amiibo. And there comes with some weird posters. Um, and it costs you uh, 10 platinum points to uh, be entered into the thing. And you can enter uh, as many as three times. Um, so not that I should be encouraging other people to uh, do this. Because uh, I entered. And I want, those, <laughs> I want those dumb amiibo. I want a big gold, you know, whatever. <laughs> Rathalosaur or whatever. I mean, 15 amiibo. I don't even really collect amiibo. But there's something like... Like uh, um, I feel a little bit like Smaug, right? When you like, when it's like, oh, fifteen right. amigo. Like now, I just, I need, I like, just want to collect them. Uh, I also think that Andrew Lloyd Webber could do a good Smaug music. Oh, I it think would be that would so be... good. It'd be so good. Um, all right, Patrick, sound the "I'm ending this bit" sirens. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo released their latest quarterly financial results last week, which means we have an update on Switch sales numbers. Uh, Switch has shipped over 89 million units worldwide, which means it has now outsold both the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 and will overtake the Wii this year. Overtake the Wii. Oh, Mark, overtake the Wii. The Wii! Yeah, and seemingly still has juice left in the tank. Yeah, absolutely. That good old juice tank. <laughs> um, the uh, it's it's just I I think what it mostly is is a testament to how much bigger the gaming audience is now than when uh, Nintendo was selling the Wii. Um, and the Wii is uh you know to be credited with expanding that audience a lot. Um, but it seems like it has grown even more since then, right? That there's just so much more appetite for gaming and gaming hardware now. Than there was back in you know 2006 2007. I think that is absolutely true. I also think that the Wii burned really bright really quickly, um, yeah. for like a short amount of time, and the Switch, um, partly you know seemingly for reasons probably out of Nintendo's control, like the pandemic, which just lifted all you know boats yeah. in, in the gaming world. But um, the Wii has a little, or sorry, the Switch a little bit has just defied you know, like console life cycles, but also, you know, we, and it's had no price drop, right? It's still, and it's about to get more expensive with the uh, OLED or OLED model. Um, But, and, but also, sorry, I'm talking through, I'm like talking through this as I think about it. Because it's like, the PlayStation 4 also had like kind of an insane life cycle, right? And so, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a combination of, those two things like the pandemic the switch is a really compelling piece of you know like hardware with a really easy to understand value proposition and then gaming is just enormous like many times bigger than it was um back in the mid to like early 2000s yeah well i mean i think there's also just something to uh like if we're getting at the alchemy of the switch's success is that it is pulling in um the two separate Nintendo audiences uh, that there was previously a lot of overlap between the handheld and, and console Nintendo uh, audiences. Um, but, you know, anything that was not overlap has now become overlap, right? Yeah. Like yep. the, the, the people who are uh, buying their, um, you know, Nintendo handhelds to play Fire Emblem or to play um, Pokemon or whatever, they necessarily had to migrate to the Switch. 
uh, just as people who were playing like console Mario games had to do the same. So, um, like in some ways, it's almost uh, it should almost be doing better than it is. And I think like really the sales of the Switch are just supply constraint. Um, like if if they could if they had more to sell, they would sell them. Yeah, I actually I don't know if that's true anymore or at least i think that could be true for the regular switch model but i think the switch Lite is still like fairly available and i think they're selling like they're selling less switches than they did last year and i think it's because they're selling less switch lights because i think when like animal crossing came out when the pandemic hit when people were just like i'm gonna be home for a long time i'm gonna get into games um they the switch light was what was like readily available like plentiful and so they sold a ton of switch lights and now that um uh you know like the world is opening back up a little bit i think the regular switches continue to sell at probably better than they did last year if i'm remembering correctly but it's the switch lights that dropped off a lot yeah well and also you know all of that will be uh fascinating to see as we like sort of open back up and sort of not like Right. We're in such a, a strange place with the pandemic right now, um, where like people are sort of selectively staying, uh, staying home, mm-hmm. um, and it is, uh, yeah. I mean, all all of that will be uh, fascinating to see, um, and like I wonder if um, at this point there are any like software, if there's any software that would move additional switches, or if we're kind of just to a point now where whatever Nintendo puts out, it really just appeals to the audience of people who already own Switches. Yeah. Because, um, like, you look at uh, what what they're offering this year, and I'm very excited about, um, you know, WarioWare and Metroid Dread. And is there a third one? Is there a third game we're excited about coming out? Or I mean, there's the um, Advance Wars remake and, like, Pokemon. But, yeah, I, I think yeah. those are great examples. Like, to your point, I don't know if that's necessarily selling to new audiences. Right, those audiences already have uh, the, the the switches. Like the 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 Pokemon audiences, they're already they loved Pokemon Snap. Um, so like, uh, that's that that's it. The the audiences are already there. So I I wonder if there well, there's still a lot of um juice, as you say, in the tank for um software for these platforms. I wonder how much longer um the hardware is going to be like a real driving force. Also, this means that Nintendo has now sold over 800 million pieces of hardware, which, wow. Um, wow. And, and that's like handhelds and home consoles. It's not, it doesn't include like Game & Watches. It doesn't include the uh, classic editions or anything like that. It just Does it include the, uh, the Virtual Boy I bought in 1995? <laughs> it does. That is a small contributor, but a contributor nonetheless. Are the like tw- the like twenty Nintendo DSs that we bought between the two of us? Like <laughs> those are accounted for in there too. Good, good, good. Uh, previous Wii U exclusive Fatal Frame Maiden of Black Water is coming to Switch, PlayStation, and Xbox uh, at the end of October. In the original release of the game, there were Nintendo specific costumes that could be acquired for the characters. There was um, Samus's Zero Suit from the Metroid series and Princess Zelda. There was a costume uh there as well koei tecmo has confirmed however that these costumes won't be available in the (laughs) re-release um which i guess makes sense it's like uh we talked about this a little bit when uh fatal frame made in a blackwater was revealed at the last nintendo direct that it was coming to switch then we found out it's coming to other platforms but this was a game for a while it seemed like nintendo 
or not seemed like they definitely were nintendo was helping these games get developed and so they were um like part owners of either the ip or they were part owners of like the games themselves with koei tecmo but it seems like uh with this re-release and who knows going forward for the series that nintendo is like no longer involved or at least has given the rights back to koei tecmo and so it makes sense then that um the zero samus's zero suit and princess zelda's costume isn't in this version of the game although it would have been nice if it was in there for like the switch version at least yeah i mean but i i can see just for ease of uh releasing it of just make make all all the versions the same totally totally speaking of fatal frame uh producer case uh kaikuchi uh, spoke with Japanese magazine Famitsu about the re-release, saying, quote, We're re-releasing this game to commemorate the series' 20th anniversary, and we're hoping a lot of fans will take the opportunity to play the game. We'd love this to lead to a new title. Patrick, I... <laughs> I know, surprise, right? Um, yeah. I've, uh, I've never played any of the Fatal Frame games. It seems like potentially a series I would like. I like, you know, like Resident Evil. Um, I've enjoyed some of the Silent Hill games. I like that sort of Japanese horror type thing um it does seem exceedingly spooky so i don't know if i would be able to handle that i mean is this a game that like we need to like get together turn out the lights (laughs) (laughs) go activate slumber party protocol and uh play our way through fatal frame i think that would be fun patrick activate uh some slumber party sirens just kidding just kidding Um, another Wii U game that made its way to Switch is Lego City Undercover. This is another one that I never played, but has a really good has a good reputation and um, would be fun kind of to check out at some point. The game's lead animator Matt Palmer and Lego Group producer Daryl Kelly recently appeared on the official Lego va- video game podcast Bits and Bricks to discuss the game. And I forgot we talked about this podcast when it was first announced. I forgot about it and haven't listened to it, but it is such an interesting idea for a podcast that i should go back and start it's basically they're uh cataloging the history of lego video games starting from literally the very beginning um and wow that's cool so they're and it's done officially by lego which i think is also really cool as well um and so they're up to lego city and undercover and matt palmer and daryl kelly were on it and um Palmer talks about wanting to avoid making the game too much like Grand Theft Auto, says, quote, one thing we were keen to try to avoid was it becoming a Grand Theft Auto game. It could very easily turn into, actually, this is far too violent for what the Lego group would like their IP related to. So we constantly stepped back from things and just made sure that we were looking at the fun and the funny element of what we could do. It was a really, really interesting phase, actually, because there were certain things that you kind of go here's a character who's holding this great big gun and straight away it's going to make you go, we can't do that. <laughs> that sounds very um, Nintendo to me. And uh, Palmer and Kelly discussed that Nintendo was very involved with the game's creation, like very, very involved, including down to the marketing. Um, they were saying that it kind of felt like Nintendo was treating it like a first party game. Wow. And, yeah. and that, that, that feels right to me. Like it, for whatever reason, made me think of the, um, actually, I know the reason because it was guns, but it made me think of, you know, the story of, uh, in early development of Donkey Kong Country 2, or whatever it was, where they gave Donkey Kong a gun, and, uh, Miyamoto was, like, turned it into, like, the, uh, banana blaster or whatever. 
Right, right, right. Uh, <clears throat> well, is well, I mean, would that have been uh, Donkey Kong 64? Yes, yeah, yeah, it was. It was Donkey Kong 64. Because they all do have guns, <laughs> but <laughs> but they're like they're like joke guns. It's a coconut gun that right. That Donkey oh, that, Kong that's has. what it is. It's a coconut gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fires and, and spurts. Well, and they they kind of do the same thing. And they talk about this with the Lego City Undercover, where they gave people like grappling guns, and it allows you to like tie up enemies or goo guns, so it allows you to like make them all stick and things like that. Yeah, it does seem like, and, and it's interesting that they are not uh, more collaborative on games that like Lego and Nintendo share a little bit of uh, uh, an aesthetic, right? A, a, a preference towards uh, nonviolence, um, like uh, a sort of like create it on your own, um, you know, in, in encouraging creativity sort of thing um, that... Uh, I, I mean, I think mostly what I, what I'm driving at here is I think you're right. I think we need to check out Lego City Undercover and like, kind of, uh, you know, pay it the respect it deserves. Um, because yeah, like it was right. It was a Wii U exclusive when it came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's a that's a that's a poor fate for for any game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It does feel like there's like, um. Just in like their energies, there it feels yeah. like there's like synergy between the two companies. Although we should remember that uh, Nintendo was an erstwhile competitor for Lego when they introduced their own kind of like building bricks that I can't remember what they were called, but they're featured in one of the like levels of uh, Super Mario Land Two when Mario is like shrunk down in the. Oh, it's yeah. in like um, it's in the world where you're inside like the giant Mario automaton, and the backgrounds for one of the levels are like Nintendo's lego competitors that were short-lived uh and of course we would be uh remiss to not uh point out and just re-ask the question where is lego star wars the uh (laughs) skywalker saga that's right and we ask where is it we ask not because we're um like uh we we just want it we're just you know like uh we're just (laughs) eager (laughs) look it's it's not bad that we're asking we just we just want it (laughs) we just want it it doesn't make us wrong to ask for it. <laughs> um, listeners, I, I want to paint a little picture for you. Um, so I'm sitting <laughs> outside. I There is no porch light on. Um, when we were starting recording, it was light outside. It has now slowly become dark. So uh, Patrick can barely see me from like the outside, the light of the, uh, the room coming through the window. It's, um, yeah. This has been quite the adventure recording this episode. I love it. I've seen the sunset slowly behind you. It's uh, th- I, I'm having a wonderful experience. I hope everyone else is enjoying the show as much as I am. Well, finally, a Super Nintendo World theme park land has been announced for Universal Studios Hollywood. So this will be the second one to open after the one in Universal Studios Japan. And for a, But for a limited time, Universal Studios Hollywood has announced that at the Universal Studios store inside the theme park... You can buy some Super Nintendo World merchandise. And this is tricky because there is like Universal City Walk where they have like Universal um, souvenirs, but you cannot get them there. You have to go inside Inside the the theme park. park. And I don't know based on the pictures if there's anything like super unique that you might not be able to get at like a GameStop or anything like that. I guess maybe it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it for sure wouldn't have the Super Nintendo World branding. But something about seeing all of this Nintendo merch in a single location Very exciting. did yeah. something to my brain. And I like immediately texted Patrick and I was like, we should do this, right? 
Yeah, and we should. And Mark, I know you 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 are about to visit uh, family, but when you get back into town, I think this is something that we need to. This is an actionable day at Universal Studios. Like we need to go and do it. Um, I just got an email from uh, Universal Studios saying that they've added a new beer to the bar <laughs> by the Jurassic Park ride. So like, and the bar by the Jurassic Park ride is called uh, Isla New Bar. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's fate. Uh, so it is fate. We'll we'll do that. We'll see the Waterworld stunt show and we'll buy some <laughs> Mario gear. Um it'll it'll <laughs> that be, would a be great the perfect day. day. That would be the perfect day. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, or you can just shout about it from your front porch like Mark is. Um, it helps us out a lot when you share stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.